0: and welcome to our Friday breakfast podcast with Capitalise. So it's summer in South Africa and Alex is away enjoying a long weekend, the lucky thing. So Kirsty has invited me, well I say invited more like politely forced me <laughs> to join her as co-host this week. Um, I'm Olivia Thomas and I'm one of the partnership managers at Capitalise and I look after some of Kirsty's CFN firms. How are you Kirsty? and I should say thank you for asking me to guest host this week's edition.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, Olivia. I know you delighted to be asked. <laughs> now, have we got Olivia's family and friends on the call now? Do I have to say hello to Olivia's family and friends? Because it's guest appearance. It's important time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: you know. Big, big deal, big deal. <laughs> be,
1: you'll be absolutely fine. Shall we get on? With
0: it? <laughs> yeah, let's dive straight in. So, Kirsty, what's the first story that you've got for us this week?
1: So the first story is, um, yet again, we've covered this a few times in different guises, the industrial action, the strikes, etc. But this week, it's been announced that one of them has been resolved. Um, Bus drivers in London have agreed um, a pay increase, um, which is quite shocking amount. Um, 18% pay increase has been agreed. Um, and of course, you know I'm sure the bus drivers are delighted and I'm sure commuters will be delighted. Um, but I expect the Chancellor won't be quite so delighted because the worry of course about wage increases is as much as we you know have this issue about um, costs of living being so high and and wages not not keeping up, the concern with the treasury is that any wage increases could be inflationary but there is some difference of opinion about how the bank of england and the treasury should be tackling this inflation problem whilst we also have this flatlining economy and it is is it different to previous downturns i should say should we be using different tools this time, and um, of course, the biggest problem that we we have in this country at the moment, I think, is low productivity, um, and a lot of different situations have contributed to that over over twenty years. So should this be something that we're focusing on more? I don't know. Um, I mean, we've got a, an interview coming up with an economist. I'm going to be asking him some of these questions, um, and it's not Paul for once. We've actually got a <laughs> Professor of Economics and, and uh, Industrial Strategy to come in and talk to us. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so that will be on a future podcast. But I mean, Liz, I'm not going to ask, uh, Liz, I'm not going to ask you your esteemed viewpoint on economics, which I'm sure you have, but. <laughs> How have these strikes impacted you? They just seem to be rattling on and on. did start to
0: panic then, (laughs) Kirsty. But yeah, I think like everyone, I've definitely felt the impact of the strikes, you know, travelling into the centre of London for work. And I think, you know, at Capitalise, because we have a hybrid working model, as a team, we try and come into the office three days a week and all work together and, you know, pick each other's ideas. So definitely felt the impact where we couldn't come together on those days. Um, But I think luckily, you know, with different methods of transport there was always some way I managed to get in you know I wasn't relying on one train but then you know when I tried to pop back and forth home to Wales like I like to do quite frequently and yeah the strikes definitely impacted my flexibility there to be able to just pop back as and when I needed to Mm -hmm. so yeah I think like everyone definitely impacted in some way
1: Yeah, I mean, it's quite shocking that um, we lost just in December, 843,000 working days and and two and a half million in 2022. So when we're struggling with productivity, then this is having a real issue. Now, uh, I'm going to give a bit of a plug here for um, Paul and Amy have recorded Something called accounting bites, which they do every month, which is um, a brief review of the economy and how it impacts SMEs. So, if you if you want to know more about this, um, you know the inflationary issues, the interest rate issues, or the macroeconomics, then I'll put a link to this month's accounting bites on the um, on the show notes, and please do go and have a look at it. Um, I mean, that I suppose leads us into um, the the second report because when we're talking about the chancellor, and we're talking about the growth issues and the treasury i found this report which i'll share from the national enterprise network has come out uh, on the importance of ems businesses So I think, you know, the budget is coming up. It's less than a month away now. I think all the campaigning groups are reaching fever pitch to try and get the attention of the Chancellor for their own policies and things that they want to to do for their audience. And I really do like the National Enterprise Network. Um, They are working specifically with EMS businesses, which is not the same as SME. So let me explain. E stands for entrepreneurs, M stands for micro, and S for small. And these have very, very different needs to general SMEs that we talk about, in that they are micro businesses, and therefore a business that turns over fifty thousand pounds has a very different way of working, has a very different um, idea of how to make decisions, and and also resources, and also energy levels than say a medium business that turns over fifteen million pounds. And even a business that turns over 1 million is making different, uh, having a different business process to to a larger uh, of the small or the medium businesses. So I do think it's vital in our economy that they are so important that the Chancellor listens to these uh, real small businesses and provides policies and incentives which support that group and encourage growth in that particular group rather than policies which maybe you know support the the larger um corporates, albeit they're still under the SME category. So we always talk to accountancy firms as well about whether they um you know target their marketing to this group or do they do it quite broad. And and the other thing that's coming up, and, and here I feel really old now, and having Olivia on this call is not helping.
0: <laughs> <because> <laughs>
1: we've had a few discussions in the last few days, and she has made me feel like I'm ancient. <laughs> we've been talking about the generational shift of um Business, businesses and business owners and how uh you know i've just done a, a guide that's come out this week on protecting businesses and protecting balance sheets and and i discuss in there the impact of gen y and gen z businesses compared to gen x businesses now the gen x businesses are my era and I kind of assumed Olivia was Gen Y and I mean I know how old she is but actually she's Gen Z so now I it's like an insult isn't it (laughs) change is inevitable um so are we you know scared of it or do we embrace it because there's definitely difference in culture I think between the different generations and as I said Liv is the Gen Z generation uh digital native generation um so do you think you roll with change or do you kind of embrace it do you even notice it?
0: That's a good question. I think, and I'm not gonna lie, I think change can be uncomfortable for anyone, regardless of generation, but definitely in my generation and how we've been brought up surrounded by technology. Um, you can definitely see how it's disrupting every industry. Um, and we've learned to be agile as a as young people in the workplace, um, to be able to respond to change and be open to it. Um, and it's definitely an opportunity to grow as well. So Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's good to be uncomfortable and to to try new things. Oh, brave words. That's really... Fab. And what's your final story for us this week, Kirsty?
1: Well, given that Olivia is leading this... uh hosting this with us today and, and you know we call our Welsh wonder we had to include a story from Wales I mean I do love covering <laughs> regions I love covering the other nations but I had to definitely go to Wales for this one for just for Olivia um, and it's really exciting actually in fact there's been a couple of really good regional um, success stories coming out this week I could have covered a few of them but this one is about a new virtual production hub in Cardiff so it took me a little while to read through this and understand exactly what it was here we go again Know my age um but um it's a new facility for um creating uh, media um and it's uh, called seren virtual productions at great point seren studios it's going to be hosting full-scale film and high-end television projects um both from uk and international markets Um, and it's got a virtual production research and training academy as well in collaboration with Media Cymru, um, aimed at really developing the region into a thriving gro- global hub, they're asking for the media innovation. That's what they're hoping for. And they're focusing on emerging and green technologies. Now, being from Manchester, I know the impact Media City had when it developed um, in Salford and, and how that's really contributed to the surrounding community and the pride, I think, as well of, of having, um, public, you know, a really good programming and, and films uh, being, um, you know, made in, in your local area. I mean, I'm as well living in, at the moment um, you know, on the West Yorkshire border of Halifax and Huddersfield and we've just had Happy Valley being produced here and lots of um, Halifax uh, public pu- you know, programming and so on is done here now and it's really quite exciting. Um, do you know where this one is in, in Cardiff? Because I'm really hoping that the local community will really
0: enjoy having this there. Yes, I think it's based just outside of Cardiff, about about three miles, maybe just outside. So right right on my doorstep, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, how exciting, as you said, I think, yeah, such a big impact on the local community and, you know, driving media innovation as well. So yeah, I think it's great.
1: And um, I think as well, you know, obviously Cardiff, I'm, I'm going to my conference in Newport uh, in a few weeks time and I'm taking, a, we're doing a bit of a murder murder mystery, not murder mystery magical mystery tour (laughs) on the way to where we're going for dinner and uh, and that was because cardiff is just such a fantastic center city center and and they of course had the doctor who programs done there for years yeah um, and quite a lot of other things have been produced in cardiff haven't they so it's it's not new to the world of tv and film by, by any stretch but um yeah i'm really hoping that this will just um galvanize it in a new generation a new era so good luck to that
0: Definitely. Thanks, Kirsty. So I think in line with the the podcast tradition, um, it's my turn to share fun stories. I think I'll keep it on the theme of Wales and strikes. And I've actually found one all around the Six Nations. So you might have seen the news that's been flooded this week with reports that the Welsh Rugby Union players are considering strike action ahead of the highly anticipated England game, uh, which is due to take place a week Saturday. And due to the uncertainty around the player contract situation. So with no financial model actually signed off yet between the WRU, the Welsh Rugby Union and the four regions, several players are really in the dark over whether they will even have a contract for the next season as they're really unable to put pen to paper um, on new contracts until this funding deal is signed off. Uh, so Welsh players have reportedly given bosses a deadline of next Wednesday to resolve the issue, hopefully in time for the England game. But, you know, there is the potential of striking for the biggest game in, in the Welsh calendar. And I guess that's what's really going to grab their attention. And um, it's quite interesting looking at, you know, what is the commercial impact of the game not going ahead? So last year, the WRU recorded a turnover of £94.3 million. Pounds. Um, But it's quite interesting looking back at well, back into March 2020, when the Scotland game, the Wales-Scotland game got postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The WRU revealed that they actually lost around £8.1 in losing that fixture. Um, But if we compare sort of ticket prices of that game compared to the England match in 2023, it's much, much higher now. So, you know, that impact is, is likely to cost them even more. Plus the tourism, you know, in Cardiff city centre. I went to the to the Wales Island game a couple of weeks ago, and it's just such a buzz around the around the city. And hoping to go back for England Wales as well. So I think you know it really will be interesting to see how all of this unfolds and whether the, you know the game will end up going ahead. So fingers crossed, it all gets sorted ahead of that.
1: I think, you know, sport as part of our economy is just growing and growing, isn't it? And and yeah. um, obviously football always gets the headlines. That's massive. Um, uh, and the impact of different, you know, situations going on with different football clubs. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's going into the rugby world as well now. And uh, I had to <laughs> laugh earlier. <laughs> we were wondering whether there had been previous strikes before in, in the um, in different um Sporting uh, uh, environments. And Liv said, Oh, I don't think it's ever happened in rugby before. And I said, Look, rugby union players didn't even get paid until 1995. So this is why <laughs> I feel so old. She <laughs> had a discussion with someone I worked with, he was a referee in rugby union at the time about that. And yeah, anyway, I'm going to toddle off now and go and find. <laughs> <laughs> I' oh. love to wrap up the podcast.
0: <laughs> Fab, Thank you, Kirsty. So yeah, here's a reminder that for those new to capitalize, our vision is to give small businesses and their advisors complete transparency and control over their business finance. So we really want every small business to be able to identify risks they may face, explore how they stand from a credit perspective, and choose the right funding that fits their business. So don't forget to rate and review the podcast and, of course, subscribe to make sure you get future episodes as they arrive hot off the press. Next Friday, we will also be releasing our latest interview podcast. So tune in next week to that new interview. But Also, take a moment to explore the backlog of interviews. We've had over 50 great guests, all with fab lessons and tips which are relevant to accountants providing great advice to SMEs. For more about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalise, please check out www.capitalize.com. Thank you so much for listening and Kirsty and Alex will be back in two weeks for more business stories from across the week. Thank you.